Amen. God is good. And all the time. If that's the first time you've heard that, we'll do it again for you. It's just a call and response coming in the house of God to celebrate that we are here because God is good. God is good. And all the time. And it's an especially good day to worship the Lord. On the first Sunday of every month, we typically have the Lord's Supper. And in a moment after the sermon, we'll invite all those who have come to the table of the Lord. Jesus sets the table. It is the Lord's table, not the table of multi-nation, not my table, but his. And so we invite you after the sermon to come down the center aisle and you will receive a piece of bread and as well a small cup. Take those back to your seat and take a moment to prayerfully reflect and prepare your heart. And when everyone is served, we will eat and drink together. If you are a visitor or a non-believer, there's no, uh, no expectation that you feel compelled to participate whatsoever. In fact, we encourage you to watch and observe and to reflect on your own life. Having said that, before we wrestle with God's word together in this very unique sermon for this unique day, we ask you to join me in prayer. God, all of us have had something in this past week that has been challenging and difficult and no doubt continues to linger in our minds and on our heart. Likewise, God, we know that many of us here today are troubled with worry and concerns about something in the week to come or weeks to come. Family pressures, job responsibilities, project deadlines, there is much, much to capture our attention. But now, Lord, here and now, we ask that you would wash away all distractions, remove all obstacles from our hearing, clear and focus our mind that we might receive the word you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was exciting today to see the small handouts at the welcome table. If you did not receive one, I invite you to pick one up before you leave. It's actually the program, the bulletin for our annual church conference. Our local conference is coming up on the 19th. And those are beautifully prepared, as was the video. I'm sorry the sound didn't play right away, but it's, you'll see it again next week. And I'm sure it'll be all over social media. I'm going to embarrass Chris for just a moment. Uh, Chris worked like uh, she really hustled this week to produce both those bulletins and that video. We're going to embarrass you even more. (laughs) Praise God for your service. So this day begins our sermon series leading up to this church conference on the 19th. Everyone is invited to the church conference. It's a normal worship service in many ways, but woven into that service will be times and opportunities for you to learn more about the church, to hear about the ministries and the exciting work going on with our children, with our youth, 
uh, with our creative presence on social media, with our worship team, with refreshments and events and, and audio, everything that we do as a church will be celebrated along with our partnerships. We have partnerships with the German Baptist Union, with the International Baptist Convention, with All for Aid, refugee ministry, as well as InterServe in London, working as well with refugees. There's a lot to celebrate there. We'll have a time to affirm and pray over our leadership in the church and to celebrate partnership, those who are coming. So all of this is important. So today and next Sunday and on that third Sunday, we'll talk about what are the building blocks of a strong and vibrant community. Every church, every organization, every community has essential building blocks. And we'll be looking in the next three weeks at three of those essential building blocks. Every healthy, vibrant, effective organization or community has the building blocks of leadership, partnership, and purpose. Today we look at leadership, and we have lots of different types of leadership in this church beyond just me, the guy up front that you see every week, the pastor. But I want to talk about three other types of leaders. First of all, in our Baptist tradition that this church is rooted in, we proclaim something that we find in Scripture called the priesthood of all believers. The Bible says that you are a, 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 a nation's a priest, a royal nation, a priesthood. And we say that every single person in the church, as a part of the body of Christ, is a minister, a leader. You may not know you are leading, but all of us are leading every day, whether we are aware of it or not, influencing people either positively or negatively. So look around, just take a moment to look at the faces. Even if you are a stranger here today, a new person, you are a leader. You are a leader here today in the church, for good or bad. Second, we have these leaders that are deacons in the Bible. We call them here at Multination, we call the, our deacon leadership team leaders. So all of those teams that you see at work every Sunday, these are deacons. They are literally, the word diakonos means servant or waiter. I like the waiter. The symbol of a deacon is a towel draped over the arm. You know, just like going into a posh restaurant and the waiter comes up and says, what would you like to eat or drink? They're there to serve the people. Literally, if you want to break that Greek word down to its original meaning, diakonos means through the dust. I love that. It's a visual image, uh, and the image is this one of, of servants coming in and out of the kitchen with such energy and excitement that they are kicking up dust. They're forming their own cloud of visual productivity through the dust they serve. And so if you are a team leader today, I want to embarrass you as well. Please just stand so everyone can see who our local deacons are. If you're a worship team, AV team, please stand. 
Don't be shy. Don't be shy. <laughs> Praise God for you. All right. They sit. And we do have some of our team leaders are in the back already working, and some are away today. But we have a third type of leader in our church. This is the elder. We call that here in Frankfurt at Multination the local leader. And elders, it doesn't mean that they're older than you. Well, maybe some of them are. It doesn't even necessarily mean that they have been a believer longer than you. Because some of you have been following Christ for a long time. What it refers to as elder or local leader is that these are people who have a high level of spiritual Christian maturity. They are entrusted with the spiritual health and leadership of the church. They make decisions about not only things minute like the order of worship or the budget, but also about the vision, mission, and direction of the church. And they're called to care for all of the other little L leaders. The priesthood of all believers is ministered to by the ministers, the elders of the church who care for them. And so at our local conference, one of the things we will do is to recognize partners who are the all body leaders, recognize team leaders, the deacons, and affirm and recognize and pray over and even lay hands upon those who are local leaders. If you're a current local leader, would you stand? It might be some of the same people. Yeah, you're a local leader, you're a local leader. Yeah, stand up. <laughs> Give them a hand. That's the only reason they do it, is to get the applause, right? But we will also affirm a new local leader. Our local leaders are not for life. It's not uh, an appointment for life. It's a commitment for three years. It can be renewed again for another three years, but after that, they have to come off and new leadership. This keeps us vibrant and healthy and, and keeps us from being stagnant. And so one of those from the body of Christ who our local leaders have, have recognized as a potential new leader is Doug. And I'm going to invite Doug to come up because you get to meet him today and so that you have a few weeks to pray over him and think about his testimony. If you don't know Doug, he's just going to share very briefly a little bit about himself and his own personal testimony and then on the 19th, you'll have the opportunity to affirm his calling as one of the local leaders here at Frankfurt. Doug, would you take a moment? Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, Chat. Good morning. Praise God, Chat. Praise God, Chat. Praise God. So uh, most of you probably already know me. For those who don't know you, I'm Douglas Eshitemi, and uh, I'm originally from Kenya. And uh, I've had, or my wife and I and uh, our little one Sophie have had the pleasure of uh, participating in this congregation for almost the last one year. And um, it's been such a blessing to us. It's been such an eye-opener to be in such a great um, family of God that has uh, encouraged and uh, stood by us through both our highs and both our lows. 
And um, my own personal story uh, with God or with Jesus here starts quite, uh, quite a while back when I was still uh, a very young person because um, from the country I come in, um, we had or I had the luck of growing in a family that was quite religious from my mom and dad. So I had a very, um, chance to, a very early chance to know God. And um, the first time I had to make my own decision or made my own decision to come to Jesus was when I was around at the age of um, 14, uh, 15 or 16 when I was in high school. And that's when I accepted the call when I attended one of um, our preacher or services in, in high school because we would participate in services in, in high school. And um, once the service had been done and the, uh, the preacher um, called, yeah, people who wanted to accept uh, Jesus as their personal savior. And that's when I took that step of courage to walk from the back of the church and to come forward and to accept Jesus in my life as my personal savior. And since then, um, it's been uh, ups and downs. So I had a very strong relationship, knew Jesus, appreciated and walked in him. And then I left high school, had the opportunity to go to university. And as you know, um, as we learned, yeah, the devil works in many different ways. So I can probably say I got distracted and probably didn't stay on the right path or staying in Jesus for all that time. So during my university time, then I sort of kind of yeah, wandered off into my own ways. But then um, also when I moved abroad, when I came to Italy, where I lived with my wife for a couple of, uh, a couple of years before coming back, uh, moving to Germany, we were still sort of yeah, away from Jesus. But then during the pandemic, we were faced with a lot of challenges and I was faced with a lot of challenges. But during this time, I still felt the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, because a lot of things were happening in my life that uh, I was not able to handle on my own. Because, you know, when you're not walking in Jesus or when you're not surrendering all to God, sometimes our um, natural human instincts is try to do everything on your own, to carry the whole burden on your own, not knowing that Jesus says, yeah, for you are heavy burden or who are carrying heavy burdens, please bring them to me. I am here. I will help you. And that was the experience um, for me and also for my wife that uh, during the pandemic, um, I went through a situation where I was jobless for quite a while, for almost two, three years. And you can imagine uh, being a family, being a man, having a young child who was born like um, in 2019, Sophie, and not being uh, in a position where you can provide for your own. You start wondering, you start fearing, you start having that uh, uncertainty in your life. But for me, I can say during that time and during even the pre previous years, I can stand here and say, God has been faithful and God was faithful. Mm -hmm. Because one of the important um, things that, uh, or character traits that we have, we, that I love about God is that he's consistent, he's constant. Whether it was yesterday, today, or tomorrow, we as human beings, or I as a human being, I can change, I can go away from him, or we can go away from him. But he is there, he is the same as he was before yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's what he was in our lives, or in my life at that point in time. Because uh, during the pandemic, um, though I didn't have a job, God provided. We didn't have to change any single iota of our lives. Um, but I can testify that we had stories of people who had to, to leave this country to go back to where they came from. Because they could no longer afford to live here. And for us, the setup was in such a way that... Uh, Everything that we needed was provided. And um, I'm sure all of us who are here, um, we've had a chance to deal with the government and uh, or, uh, official offices here, and there is a lot of bureaucracy that can sometimes frustrate you, that can sometimes make you give up. 
But for me, it was the other way around because every time I dealt with the officers here, whether it was immigration, whether it was social services and so forth, people were very kind. People did things that you will not expect them to do, things that were not in the official job description. They called back, they said, I'll photocopy this form for you. They gave tips, which is something that um, a lot of these government officials, sometimes they tend not to do because they are handling so many people, they are dealing with so many people, they are stressed, they are overworked, and naturally when they try to do as little as possible. But from our experience, from my experience in relying and um, trusting in God, he opened those doors, he made things possible, which only make me, made me more want to believe in him and made me and my wife want to find a way back to God because we said, yeah, this is not possible. We are seeing a lot of people suffering, we are seeing a lot of people um, having difficult times, but God has not abandoned us. We are going maybe through a season of darkness, a season of uncertainty, but he is there guiding us. And he continued guiding us until I found something that I could be able to do a job that was very, very... The story of how I found it was very interesting. I went for a job interview. I didn't pass. And then, and naturally, of course, yeah, if you're looking for a job and you go for a job interview and you don't pass, you feel frustrated. You wonder, yeah, what was wrong with me? Why wasn't I accepted? So all these thoughts went through my head. But as you can imagine, or as you cannot imagine here, yeah, the guy who interviewed me reached out a couple of weeks later, almost a month later, and said, hey, we spoke here about a month ago. Um, are you still looking for something? I said, yes. And he told me, um, my colleague is looking for someone, and I think you're the right fit for this person. And I said, ah, okay. Then he said, are you interested? And I said, yes, I'm interested. And just that way, from one rejection, you can see God used that as an opportunity to open another, another chance. And he also used this gentleman um, who didn't accept me because of some very other good reasons that I found out much later. He used it to make it possible for me to get another job. Because without him, this other gentleman he introduced me to would not have accepted me. But he said, I know this guy, I've talked to him, I think he's the right fit. And if you need me to help in doing any paperwork here, I will make it possible. Me and the team here in Germany will work and will ensure that he gets the paperwork that he needs to be able to start working for us. And through that opportunity, through God, yeah, then I was able to find another job. And then um, as we drew back to God, we started looking here, yeah, where do we go to? Where do we fellowship to? And that's how through online we're able to find this community here and to start fellowshipping here in, in this community. And since then, uh, this community has stood with us. This community has enriched our lives. Our lives have completely changed because we can come here, participate, talk to people, grow our faith and knowledge, and be able to walk, um, to walk with God, which is something that has been encouraging to us. Um, and when the call came uh, that the leadership and the pastor and the leadership team had considered me uh, for this opportunity, we said, yes, we accept to be considered because we've benefited a lot from the grace of God, from his love, from his faithfulness, and from his kindness that if we have an opportunity to also touch another life, to guide another life that they may be able to walk in God, to walk in the spiritual journey, we are ready to, to lay it down and to walk knowing that uh, God never just calls us. When he calls us, he prepares us. And we can testify that we feel that, uh, or I feel that from what God has been doing in my life, that he's been preparing me for this moment, me and my wife for this moment. And that's why we accept his call in the faith and the knowledge that uh, he will continue uh, walking with us, equipping us and enabling us to stand with you, to participate in the community and to offer 
any leadership and any service that, are, that is needed. So that is my testimony, and uh, I thank you for, for listening, and I look forward to all your prayers uh, uh, for me and my family. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You can see why we uh, feel like this is a person who's called by God to serve the church through leadership. This has been a, a, this is a unique sermon, as I mentioned. It's a little bit different. So far, you've received some information and definitions so you understand what we are talking about as a church in terms of leadership. And then you've heard some testimony about the calling of leadership and how people how God is working through people's lives to bring them to that point of leadership. And this can be true not only of elders and deacons, but every one of us has a story of what led us to be a leader by being a part of the church here. Now we want to turn to some biblical teaching on leadership. So if you look with me in 1 Peter chapter 5, this is the... uh, an extreme example, a perfect uh, image for teaching about leadership. And here, Peter is referring specifically to the elder leadership. But in, in absolute truth, every principle and point that he shares is applicable to every level of leadership. And we look as he starts out by identifying himself as a leader in the church. In First Peter 5, Chapter 5, verse 1. Now, as an elder myself, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. If you stop right there, you'll notice Peter's repetition of, of three knots, three no-nos for leadership. And first he says that leaders are to do this not under compulsion, but willingly. We, you think if you talk to every team leader and local leader in the church who is serving, even every volunteer, every team member, we hope that you would find that they do what they do, not out of guilt or feeling the pressure of obligation. There may be some sense of responsibility, some sense of suffering, involved in leading, but at the end of the day, it is the joy that leads leaders. It is joy in serving, joy in suffering, joy in giving of oneself over. And so we hope leaders of all levels will do so willingly and joyfully as a response of gratitude. Did you hear that in Doug's testimony? How central a role gratitude played into the calling of leadership. There's a second not in here. Not for sordid gain. 
that leaders don't serve for what they get out of it. Team leaders and team members, in fact, do not do what they do because they benefit somehow. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You will lose, you will sacrifice, you will suffer as a leader. There'll be a weight upon your shoulders. Jesus would call that taking up your cross to follow after him, to serve as he served. So it is not, as I joked before, it is not about the applause or the accolades or the position of power and prestige. It's not so that they get the seat at the head of the table or so that they can have some special status in the community. And this leads us to that third knot. Do not lord it over those in your charge. Whether you are a team leader or a local leader or a team member or a partner in this church, it's not about being in control. It is not about being in charge. Even for the pastor, I am not the head of the church. Christ is and Christ alone And so Peter would remind all of us that being a leader is is not about having the opportunity to tell people what to do. I would say quite the opposite. Good leadership doesn't give commands. Good leadership gives questions and invitation. Do you see the difference? Bad leadership bosses people around. You do this, you go here, you go there. It's a kingmanship mentality. But really profound leaders, dynamic leaders, they ask questions. Where should we go? What is our purpose? What do you sense the Lord is doing in our midst? Where is God leading us? Where do we need to reach out with the love of Christ? And in so doing, good leadership gives invitation. I loved what my beautiful, amazing, intelligent wife said in the opening scripture reading. That good leadership gives opportunity for us to be servants. For us to participate in what God is doing. It cannot ever simply be a healthy community unless every member is functioning healthily. And so good leaders recognize this. It brings us to the second part of Peter's instruction about leadership. And I think this especially speaks to each one of us, whether we are officially leaders or not. He says in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears... You will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Do you see how Peter has established leadership and following as a two-way street, that effective leadership involves effective following. At different points in the ministry of the church, we will be some leading and some following. It moves around. But in every case, good 
healthy community, strong organization involves followers, not just leaders. Over my 25 years of ministry, I cannot tell you how many classes and workshops and seminars I have attended and participated in about good leadership. And they almost always begin with the same premise, that for there to be strong, effective teams, it takes strong, effective leadership. But then as I start to look back over my years of experience, I wonder sometimes if it's not also the other way around. When I think about where I have served, whether it's in Charleston outreach with missions or the boys and girls homes of North Carolina, working with abused children or in some of the many pastorates that I've been blessed with, some have been more effective than others more dynamic and purpose-driven than others. Some have seen greater impact in the community and on those serving. Yet I haven't really done necessarily much of anything different. Maybe that's my weakness. So what's the difference in these that, are, that skyrocket and were successful those versus the few that seem to never really move the needle? It was the followers. It was the people of those organizations. It was the workers in the trenches, on the front lines, serving. It was the give and take. Good leadership de demands good following at every level. As I read that, those verses, I was reminded of Paul's words about Phoebe. If you're not familiar with who Phoebe is, she's not just a character on the American sitcom Friends. Phoebe was a deacon, a minister of the ancient church. And in Paul's closing remarks to the church of Rome, he mentions her that, that this deacon is heading their way. And, it, and I believe we have the scripture... Uh, can have the scripture up here from Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. It's not a lot that he says about her, but what he says is very fascinating and relevant. He says in Romans 16, 1 and 2, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church of Chantria, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Do you see the two-way street of her leadership style? Do you see how it's a give and take in her leadership style? That on the one hand, Paul instructs them to welcome her and to do whatever she needs, do whatever she asks. I really appreciate Doug's comment. When I was asked, I knew I had to say yes. In his great work, Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby wrote that when we see God at work around us, that is our invitation to join him in the work. 
And so Paul says, look, when you see what Phoebe is doing, the ministries that she is leading, help her. Support her. Likewise, though, Phoebe is said to have been a benefactor, a helper of others. To support and to serve and to be a part of what you are doing. Our leaders, I hope you hear this, it's not just about asking people to help us with what we are doing. What can we do to help them with what God is doing through their lives as well? Every member a minister. Every partner a priest. Every part is a part of the one body of Christ. And all of this seems to hinge on humility, doesn't it? Verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt into you in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. There are eternal realities at stake in healthy leadership. Resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. How long ago were these words penned, and yet how timely they are today. That all over the world, our brothers And sisters are suffering. Now, just as then, we need leadership that is humble and serving and spirit-led. And that goes for each of us. We are all leaders. Verse 10, And you have suffered for a little while. The God of all grace who has called you to this eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, support, strengthen and establish you. You cannot get more confidence than that. Hear it again, that the God himself, no matter what suffering you are going through today, he will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I thought to end this sermon with some contemporary example of humble servant leadership. And so many names could come to my mind. Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., Bishop Desmond Tutu, and from every country represented here today, no doubt there are names from your own culture and historical context. But even as I was thinking about that, it is as though God slapped me upon the back of the head and said, hello, Mason, you'll celebrate the Lord's Supper this Sunday. Can we find a more perfect example of humble servant leadership than that of Jesus Christ? We are told in the scriptures that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, 
They did more than just celebrate the Passover meal and receive the Lord's Supper. That before they even broke bread or poured the wine, Jesus removed his outer garments and one by one he knelt before his disciples and he washed their feet. The humility of Christ can never be fully understood. This is the God of the universe who said, let there be light. The God who formed each one of those disciples in the mother's womb. And yet here he is taking on human, dirty, smelly form. Did you ever think that your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had smelly feet? Dirty toes, dirty, withered hands, a a sunken face from hunger. The, The God of the universe humbled himself. And now, to even further demonstrate that, he gets down and washes their feet. This is the role of a slave, a servant. I think about those disciples and how filthy their feet You know, the only mode of transportation that most common people had was by foot. Not just any foot, sandaled feet. Walking through the dust of the Middle East and the dirt. And you come into a home and the first thing a good guest host would do would be to send the servant, not the master of the house, but the servant of the house to wash the dirty feet. I I wouldn't want any of you to suffer washing my nasty feet. I bet you, I can testify, maybe a show of hands, some of you have nasty feet as well, just like me. And yet Jesus takes those dirty feet and washes them. What was that that Jesus said in the scripture we heard at the beginning? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. This is the final act of humble servant leadership that Jesus symbolized in that Passover meal when he took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup And he blessed it, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my own blood. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Friends, we invite you to to begin to end this service with a remembrance of the body and blood of Christ. This eternal, humble act of servanthood. And once you receive the bread and the cup and return to your seats, take that moment while others are being served to prepare your heart and your mind and to reflect on this question. What kind of leader are you today? And what can God do to change your heart and mind so that you might be like the heart and mind of Christ who gave himself a ransom. Would you pray with me? Lord, by these powerful symbols of bread and cup, the fruit of the vine poured out, 
the body and blood of Christ. May our faith be renewed and restored. May we feel strengthened and established by you. And may we also be humbled to consider the ways that we might be servant leaders in our family, at our places of work, in our communities and neighborhoods, and indeed even here in the church. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.